Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Week two in the books. Never too early to take an NFL lay of the land. Stone Labanowicz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go. You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. Who's ready to jump aboard the Dolphins or the best team in the NFL train? Who's ready to du- jump jump onto that train, that locomotive? Absolutely trucking it down the tracks. They are you ready? Are you ready to take the leap? Are you ready to commit to the fin? There's a couple of roadblocks in there in the way there for you. So I, I'm not I'm not ready with you, but I'm happy that you feel that way. Well, uh, Stone, are you ready to commit to the fin? I feel the same way Theo does. Roadblocks. Yeah, some roadblocks. What are blocks. these roadblocks, by the way? Is it one of those push carts on the track? <laughs> no, there's those 1800s push carts. No, they're red and have a, you know, a sprinkle of yellow in them. They wear a feather on their cap. I think it's the Chiefs. Oh. Yeah. Chiefs. That's not a feather, that's an arrowhead. It's they, arrowhead. they don't wear a feather <laughs> on their feathers hat. on the there's, arrow. Is that what you uh, thought yeah. that was? No, come on. Did you they're, really think that was a feather? Are. I thought you were talking about the Redskins for a second. I'm like, that's long gone, bro. That's an ugly yellow W at so, this point. So what is an arrowhead? And you know It's the head of the arrow. The fear of sounding stupid. There's no feathers in their cap, but I imagine the there's a hundred. The feathers are on the back of the like on the back of the arrow, like uh, on the shaft, and then there's the other end of the arrow. Yeah, I was thinking the ones on the shaft. That's on me. Did you, did you just ask what is an arrowhead? I know what an arrowhead it's is. Literally in the name. I know what an arrowhead is. Obviously, you know Robin Hood. All these guys, they shoot them. I get it. <laughs> I'm understanding of what it is. I just. Didn't know that's what they wore on the cap. I thought it was a feather. Did you drop a Robin Hood reference so that we understood <laughs> We're talking Native Americans? Know? We could have gone Last of the Mohicans. We could have gone anything in that spot, just, and you dropped a Robin Hood on us. I just love that he did that because yeah. I, I don't. that's like the, one of the last people I think of when I think about Arrowhead. <laughs> yeah. But he went Robin yeah. Hood. Yeah. Nonetheless, um, I'm not ready to jump on this fence. Okay, yet. okay, good. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that, and uh, now we, we know that Stone knows what an Arrowhead is. Yeah. Um, I actually, in a shocking turn of events, agree with you guys. I am committed to the Finn, but I'm not yet ready to commit to the Finn as the best team in the NFL. Mm. Didn't see that coming, huh? I'm blowing (laughs) your mind. Maybe more so than Stone, us having to teach him what an arrowhead is. Um, I, I will make this proclamation. The Dolphins are in great shape, and I feel unbelievably encouraged by them. After two weeks, beating the Chargers, beating the Patriots on the road, coming home for three very manageable games. You you now, I mean, Stone, you look at this, and you got the Broncos coming in next week. Then you got the Giants after that. They've got a homestand coming up. 5-0 and is a very realistic possibility for the Dolphins to start the year because they took care of damn business on the road. 100%. You're allowed to look at the beginning of the season having two games back-to-back on the road as kind of being scary, but if you get out of them clean, it's a... It's a, what's a smooth sales, a smooth yeah. season ahead. This is perfect for them. And then they did. So you've got the Broncos, you've got the Bills, you've got the Giants back to back to back. Are they tough? Well, Bills, absolutely. Um, but did you beat them at home last year? 
Yeah, mm. for sure. Mm. And uh, the sun's still up there. The sun's still, still hovering is, around. It is still up there. So so you've got Broncos, you've got at Bills, you've got Giants. Uh, sorry, the Bills are week week 18. I'm sorry, that's right, because the Bills complained so much that they got the week 18 game at home. Uh. But still, like you, you almost went up there and beat them twice last year in Buffalo if you're the Dolphins, okay? In the snow. In the snow and then in the playoffs. You almost beat him with Skylar Thompson. With Skylar Thompson as your quarterback. So you can start to think about, is 5-0 and a possibility here? Just looking short term. That said, I'm not ready to go with them through two weeks being the best team in the NFL. It's still a little ragged for me. Uh, still don't love the fact that there's no Teron Armstead. Still don't love the fact that you can't get both significant sides of the ball on the same page. You have a kicker now who's freaked out by somebody lining up. 15 yards to the left of the uh, the line of scrimmage, okay? Um, the best team in the NFL, I think, is the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, okay. Brock Purdy, uh, I, what was the discussion we had throughout training camp? What if, especially when the Trey Lance stuff started to go down and we thought that he was probably on his way out, well, what if Brock Purdy isn't? the guy what if they're wrong about Brock Purdy what if Brock Purdy can't keep up the same type of uh flash in the pan production that he had at the end of last season in the final month of the season I think I've seen enough the Niners are pretty good they're pretty consistent and even when they don't play well they're still the same old grind you into the ground San Francisco 49ers I think they're probably the best team in the NFL right now and again it's a small sample size it's through two weeks but like I said at the open never too early to take a lay of the land. Mm. Love the Dolphins. Happy with what they've done so far, taking care of business on the road. You've got Broncos, Bills, Giants back-to-back-to-back, two of those home games. I like the position that the Dolphins have put themselves in if they can continue to stay healthy, but the 49ers still are so damn complete, and Brock Purdy appears to be, he was the biggest question mark, the guy. He looks good, and that's the thing, too. I, I so badly wanted to hop on this media hype train of the Dallas Cowboys, I was, when you first asked this question this morning, I'm like, okay, how am I going to present this argument for the Dallas Cowboys? I'm looking at all the names. I'm going Dak Prescott. I'm going Mike McCarthy. They look good offensively. They've got the best defensive player in all the land in Micah Parsons, who's not just aiming to be the defensive player of the year. Right. He's talking gold jackets already, and he's only in year three. Like, the Dallas Cowboys look super complete. They, they're outscoring teams 70 to 10 right now. Um, they're dominant. But then I look at the names again. And I look at the tight end, George Kittle versus Jake Ferguson. Uh-huh. I look at the coaching staff. I look at Kyle Shanahan versus Mike McCarthy calling plays. Uh, Brock Purdy is not far off when you think about production-wise. How much better is Dak Prescott? Let's, let's ask the question. Yeah. How much better is Dak Prescott than Brock Purdy? Well, it's almost an abstract question. It's tough, right? Because, I mean, Dak Prescott's better. Yeah, he's got. I think he has more talent. I think all of us, if we're GMs and we're starting a team tomorrow, we're all choosing Dak. Yeah, sure, but, sure, but, but that's going off of talent ceiling. When if you're looking for consistency, it's probably Brock. Qu- quarterbacks are so closely tied with their play caller or their or yeah. their offensive coordinator, right? So if system. you want to go in their system, right? So if you want to go, who's going to be the system you want to rely on more? Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. Give me Shanahan and Purdy over McCarthy and Prescott. Yeah, we've had enough of a sample size of uh, Mike, I've, McCar- Mike I've McCarthy. S- I've seen up. Mike McCarthy put a lone running back in front of his quarterback <laughs> to protect him on the final play of a playoff game. No, it was wait, Kellen Moore. That could have been Kellen Moore. They, they could have gotten well, rid no, of that's that what they want you to, it, it does. That's it, what they, they want do. you to think. <laughs> Big Mike McCarthy propaganda machine is uh, is telling you oh, it, that was all Kellen Moore. That's why we had yeah. to get rid of him. Uh-huh, that's why we got rid of him. It was bad play calling. Meanwhile, Mike McCarthy's like, whew. 
dodge that bullet. I tell you what, he has dodged the bullet so far with Kellen Moore over there in L.A. I mean, they're 0-2. Mike McCarthy himself, they're 2-0. No. So he's dodged the bullet so far. It's not Kellen Moore's fault. I think Brandon Staley. If I'm the Cowboys, though, if I'm Jerry Jones, if I'm Mike McCarthy, you know what I'm I'm doing? I'm continuing to pile on Kellen Moore. I'm just just pushing stuff out there to to Shefty uh, throughout the course of the year. Like, hey, uh, last year, Kellen Moore said this. Kellen Moore yeah. did that. You're seven and one. The Chargers are like two and six at that point. You're like, hey, you'll never believe what was in a game plan against Washington last year. That Kellen Moore guy. Hey, just play into the propaganda. Yeah. It's a new era. Kellen Moore was holding you back. Start slipping Dak some uh, some propaganda to say as well. That's in his right. Press conferences like, like oh, man. I just uh, with this new coaching staff, this offensive coaching staff, yeah. everything's so consistent, so well put together, so well constructed. Just keep piling it on Kellen Moore. Me. Because I'm petty. He That's what I would do. Dak hasn't thrown a pick yet, right? He hasn't. He's I mean, clean. Sauce Gardner dropped one. This yeah, is did. the toughest part about talking about the best team. Because the 49ers, I'm going based off of the fact that their identity in the first full year of the Brock Purdy era, and I know it's two weeks, but we're seeing him as the guy. There was no doubt he, it was not a, a discussion. He was the guy. Yeah. We're seeing the same consistent, physical, uh, creative, and eventually overwhelm you San Francisco 49ers. But the difficult thing is you're seeing a Dallas Cowboys team that they get talked about too much and it's wildly annoying and we complain about it. But then they come out and they're smacking people around in stone. We were discussing it on Sunday. This looks like a team that's in full bleep you mode in full. I'm sick of hearing the detractors mode. I'm sick of being made fun of mode. A we have something to prove type of team. And so I think that you can you can say the Cowboys have played the best through the first two weeks of the season, maybe look the best, but then make the case like I'm trying to, that because of their consistency and literally nothing has changed from a team that came one win from the Super Bowl last year, the 49ers are the best team. Does that make sense? It also, I mean, if you look at who the 49ers have gone through versus who the Cowboys have, they face Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson, who we've gotten two weeks of Daniel Jones so far, who was down like 50 points to the Cardinals in the first half uh, this past (laughs) week. Like, I, I just don't think that... The only argument against the Cowboys right now is they haven't been challenged. And they're the Cowboys. Well, yeah, they're also and the Cowboys. And we have memories. Our, <laughs> our brains are able of recalling yeah. hilarious memories of seasons past. Like, oh, I don't know, the last 15 years of Cowboys football. And I think that reputation holds us back as well. The reputation hurts. The, the hype around it hurts. The fans who keep thinking that it's going to be their year hurts. But... Again, I just look at this team as different than those previous teams. Part of it is going to be like the more conservative play calling from Mike McCarthy, though it might not be inspiring and big and good for fantasy teams and, and whatnot. It's going to be good and conservative enough to hold up against if, the teams they have to go I through. I mean, if the Cowboys stay healthy, they should be able to fist fight everybody to yeah. a potential division championship. Yeah, 100%. I think when push comes to shove, though, and you have to look at the players on a roster, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's the problem. I, I think he alone is worth seven points on the spread, like right. each and every week. Yeah. And I don't think the Cowboys have that guy late in the game that they're going to look to, they're going to lean on. I don't think so. I think more so that's Micah Parsons, yeah. who's going to come in late in the clutch. When you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey who can literally by himself change a game. And you're right. They got those guys on both sides. They got Christian McCaffrey. They got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. They got George Kittle. And then on the defensive side, it's not just Nick Bosa. You got the best middle linebacker yeah. in the league in Fred Warner, especially in a pass happy league. He's one of the best coverage linebackers. And then you got to, I mean, you lose to Miko Ryans, but you still see that the defense holds up. I have so much confidence in this 49ers team. The only thing that can hurt them is, well, the same thing that hurts them year after year after year after year. 
that they can't really stay healthy. Right. So are we are we across the board in this room right here in downtown West Palm and in John Levine Action and Attorney Studios? Are we across the board around the horn, 49ers, best team in the NFL? Because that's what it sort of sounds like to me. San, San Fran's favored by a point and a half if they were to play tomorrow. So I, I, I lean okay. San Fran, okay. but yeah. it, it's damn near a pick. I'm just looking at two and O's. And let's just, for, for easiness sake here, Let's just go through the two and O's and see if there's anybody who can sneak in. And I already, while I'm, I'm demanding that all of you commit to the fin, I'm not ready to just outright claim because it has been flawed. Uh, and there's always the can two stay healthy addendum. But I'm not ready to say yet that the Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. Best offense in the NFL? Yes. Not what we're asking. Can Who's we make the best a, team in the NFL? Can I make a quick argument for the Dolphins? Sure. Commit to the fin. <laughs> You're 2-0. Uh-huh. You beat the Chargers and the Patriots. You don't have Jalen Ramsey or Teron Armstead right. yet. You're bringing those two guys in. Those are Pro Bowl level guys. Sure. You're inserting into a team. So that's the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. New defensive coordinator and Vic Fangio, who is still probably going to get better as the year goes throughout. So like you're talking about the inconsistencies of the defense not showing up one week, the offense not showing up as much one week. Well, maybe that offense not showing up as much was because the Patriots are playing that kind of shell defense, and the defense might not have showed up in the first game because it was Vic Fangio's first game right. with this defense without Jalen Ramsey. Like right. maybe by the end of the year, the Dolphins are competing for best team uh, in the league. From 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 your mouth to football God's ears. That's beautiful, Theo. It is beautiful. I, I also have a question before we get to the two and O's. Better unit. I'm going to steal a topic from first take earlier, but I thought it was money. Better unit. The Dallas defense or the Miami Dolphins offense? I, I couldn't come up with an answer. I thought it was pretty wow. pretty Close. I think the offense, because there are, and thank you again, first take, and yeah. we're paying you nothing <laughs> for stealing that idea. Uh, offensively, right now, and again, through the first two weeks, there is a wider gap between the Dolphins and everybody else, at least in the passing game, than there is between the Cowboys' defense and Fair. the next best defense. Love it. Yeah. Um, and I think that might, maybe that's just the nature of, of the sport yeah. right now. The statistic. But the, the Dolphins are just so far ahead from a scheming standpoint, a passing game standpoint, that there's nobody in their galaxy compared to Cowboys defense is elite. But I can also name you three or four other elite defenses in the NFL as, yeah. as well at this point. Uh, who is the best team through the first two weeks? Who is the best team through the first two weeks of the NFL? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063, 888-760-3776. Me, I say Niners. Theo, Niners. Stone, Niners. I mean, you just look at the, the 2-0 and teams. The Eagles are 2-0, and and it has been, well, lackluster at best. And, and, and they're replacing two coordinators, right? Correct. And so you got to give them some time. Yeah. But yeah. Jalen Carter has yeah. been like a beast in the middle, and he's only two games into his career. Right. They, they could be good. Unfortunately for them, Jalen Hurts has been someone who does not look great after yeah. getting money. But 2-0 is 2-0. But a it trend. Just has, it has who looked, has looked good after it's getting money? It's a trend. Yeah. Dude, what, uh, I guess Lamar. Lamar will be the only Lamar, one. I can't but, say but he was been, bad in week one. I can't say they's been clean. Lamar has been, been clean, but he's good. been the cleanest of the guys who've gotten paid. He's been almost like the most efficient he's been in a – well, yeah. Except for he just hasn't had the touchdowns. He hasn't had like the high-powered fantasy days and whatnot, but he's been very consistent and efficient. These uh, guys have been cursed. Cowboys, <laughs> Eagles, Commanders, 2-0. and uh, So, yeah, Commanders, good story. I don't think they're the best team in the Pass NFL. Pass on them. Yeah. Uh, then you have Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers, all 2-0. and 
I'm not willing to put them in the best team. The Falcons discussion. might win 12 games, though. Uh, well, in that division, that's yeah, the thing. That doesn't make you best team. What a turn of events. Three teams in the NFC South, 2-0 and right now. That, uh, it's ridiculous. That's it, like just Russian roulette at this point. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, then uh, I mentioned the Ravens, not quite ready to get that. The, the J.K. Dobbins injury has me freaked out a little bit. But Lamar, if Lamar is on the field, the Ravens at some point this year, you got to think, are going to be in the running for best team in the NFL. I just like them, and especially what we've seen from the rest of that trash bag division. I really like the Ravens now. Oh, yeah. Um, but best team, 49ers. Who's the best team through the first two weeks of the season? We all say 49ers, and then I think that Cowboys, Dolphins are in that discussion amongst the rest of the 2 and O's. 888-760-3776. Now, I am curious, most surprising 2-0, uh, you could look at the entire NFC South, and that's probably where you're picking from, unless you want to throw in the commanders from the uh, the NFC East. But I look at, at and, and this is me acknowledging that maybe, just maybe, I was wrong initially. Okay, so I want everybody to strap it in. I want you to listen closely. Um, I thought that even in the worst division in football, at least what I thought was the NFC South, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to be a three to four win team. I thought Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask was the single worst preseason quarterback competition I had ever seen in my entire existence. Uh, and then what have the Bucs done? They've had a quarterback who it looks like it is. Is he playing unbelievably well? No, but it kind of feels like the Buccaneers believe in Baker Mayfield. They have at least gotten behind Baker Mayfield. Now, that quarterback competition I just mentioned, it's the worst quarterback competition in a preseason I've seen since 2008 Dolphins' Josh McCown against John Beck before Chad Pennington got there. That was the worst quarterback competition I've ever seen. The year the Dolphins won the division, 13-3, and 2008, that's right, they started training camp with their quarterback competition, Josh McCown, against John Beck. Think about that. Thank you, Mike Tannenbaum, for all you did for the Dolphins that year. I'm going to remind him of that Friday, by the way, when he joins the show. Nice. Um, but they, it seems like they believe in Baker Mayfield. And I'm looking at Stone right now, and he is just beaming. He oh is my God. ear to ear. He is glowing over there. And then the defense is really, really strong. Oh, but they've only played the Bears. All right, well, Dan Orlovsky wants to tell you that Justin Fields was an MVP candidate. Well, that's and then the Bucs are picking him off at the three-yard line. Uh, Shaq Barrett just <laughs> leaning into the end zone. 2-0 uh, is 2-0. I never expected the Bucs to be 2-0. Certainly didn't expect them to go to Minnesota and have their way where Baker Mayfield says, I know all their defensive calls at halftime. I'm going to choose the Bucs as my most surprising 2-0. Did you um also the, the play, the Shaq Barrett, Pick six. Did you see what Levante David said about that? Buccaneers they, linebacker? They, they ran the same exact formation. They knew exactly what was coming. They ran the same play three times in a row. There was a penalty on the first one because uh, Shaq Barrett jumped the snap uh, early. He was offside. There was a penalty on the second time they tried it. Uh, I think a lineman was blocking downfield. They called it an offensive pass interference. They called it a third time in a row, and it's a pick six. At the go- That's just that's a that to me that's malpractice. Is like. <laughs> Somebody has to be fired after that. Somebody has to be fired or benched or some like Stone. Is this normal? I mean, if you get a penalty on a play back to back, you're running it for a third time at this level of football. I mean, if your goal is to end the drive with a kick, 
which field goal or punt, just don't turn the ball over. Like if you're an offensive coordinator calling that play, just put it in the dirt and we're going to punt the ball, right? We're only down three. Our defense has to step up. Like you're not really worried. You call the play knowing that you're most likely not going to move the chain. So just put it in the dirt, move on. We're going to punt this football. They showed him to look three times in a row against a veteran, like two or three years ago was in the Super Bowl defense with most of the same guys. And they thought it was going to, Pan out I well. just I like the way the Bucks are playing because I while they're the most surprising two and zero, it's been complete football. It's been dominant football. It's been clean. Uh, and you want to know what else? It's I been? didn't see that coming with Baker Mayfield as the quarterback. Are they chugging down the field? Not exactly, but they sort of have that Cowboys feel of. I, and I think that's probably a product of oh Baker Mayfield God. as the quarterback. Hey, uh, bleep off. Listen, they weren't chugging down the field in 2020 with Tom Brady. They were dinking and dunking, and he was hitting some of his Mike Evans and Chris Godwin guys, similar to what Baker Mayfield's doing. There's not a quarterback playing as well as Baker on third downs. He's got a 123 passer rating. I mean, he's playing clean football. He's not turning the ball over. And let me get this one off. Let me get this one off. You about to get off? That was not a quarterback competition. It was procedural. It was not a quarterback competition. (laughs) Not at one point did anybody think Kyle Trask was going to take there. But, right, competition builds character. you got to pull the old cliches. However you coach, Uh, the Bulls theory. you got to go earn it, Baker. He didn't have to earn a damn thing. Uh, Most surprising 2-0, Theo. Because I I don't think you agree with me. I... I the team I had written down was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, okay. But here's the thing, though. you got to remember my history with one Baker Mayfield, right? Like, yeah, I don't think you're allowed to go to the Bucs. Yeah, he I forced am, you I, out of your Panthers for all you've done to him. I'm literally allowed to go to the Bucs. Like, if it, I wouldn't be me if I didn't say the Bucs surprised me as being 2-0 because literally I was a Carolina Panthers fan. I dedicated about 15 years of my life, my hard-earned life, on rooting for the Carolina Panthers. Hashtag keep pounding. And Baker Mayfield was that final straw that broke my back. I'm the camel in this uh, analogy uh-huh. that took me out of my Panthers fandom. I believe so stringently against Baker Mayfield. I thought he was the worst quarterback possible to bring in there, especially after watching P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold and washed up Cam Newton. Baker Mayfield is why I left. So there's no way I would believe coming into the 2023 season, another team giving Baker Mayfield another chance to be the starting quarterback in that same division was going to be 2-0 to start the year. Now, did they play a, a sorry-ass Vikings team? And did they get a, get to play the Bears, who's running the same play three times in a row against that veteran defense? This, yeah, it helps. This is the argument against the Buccaneers being the most surprising 2-0 is that the combined records of the teams they've beaten is 0-4. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's but still, but still, it's Baker <laughs> Mayfield. It's Baker Reagan Mayfield, all right? And I didn't expect Mr. Do a Podcast Next to a Dead Dog. Uh-huh. Mr. Write a long soliloquy about my exodus from a city before they even get rid of me. And reveal that your middle name is Reagan. Revealing his name was, was yeah. Reagan. And the least surprising thing <laughs> ever. I did not expect him to be 2-0. So I am now officially, publicly giving him his credit. He's, okay. been a, he's been a gamer. He's been putting his body on the line. He's been making good throws. He has Mike Evans as like the number two or three receiver in fantasy football right now. Like Baker Mayfield has been an above average quarterback for the Buccaneers. And if he's going to continue to play this way, then they can contend for that division for whatever that means in the NFC South. But yeah, they're the most surprising to an O team. Theo and I are right now, we're on the same wavelength, yeah. as they say. Locked in. Uh, best team, we both think it's the 49ers. The most surprising team, 2-0, and we think it's the Buccaneers. Best team right now through two weeks of the NFL, and who's the most surprising 2-0? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776.
Now, if the season ended today, who's picking first overall in the draft? <laughs> I think this is an important discussion because we've seen some bad football. I mean, typically you'll see bad football, but the bad has been real bad the opening couple of weeks. I would argue both games last night were an affront to the game of football. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the, the Panthers-Saints game, nobody did anything well. Every time I looked over, there were just bodies on the field, and the ball was loose, and it was a, a mess. Well, Chris Olave. Chris, Chris Olave is pretty was, good. Was yes, the one but shining star. I look up and I see Derek Carr throwing a ball right to a Saint, uh, right to a, a Panther with no Saint within 15 yards. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening here? Uh, and then I, I I go to the 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 Steelers and and Browns game and I'm seeing a uh, a kick returner uh, full sprint. Uh, double tapping his toes inbounds like a receiver at the eight yard line on a kick return. Like, what is happening over there? It was just an atrocity. And a quarterback throwing around random face masks, which uh, I've never seen I, before. I don't. I don't know what is going. Yeah, right. Deshaun yeah. Watson is a you man. Have Deshaun man. Watson who's shoving officials. Uh, and we'll talk about that psychopath in a moment. Um, but who would be picking first overall in a league where the bad is real bad? I look, and we talked about the Bears a little bit and how big a train wreck that is, and that's a train wreck, and they're going to be in the discussion. But I have no confidence whatsoever that Jonathan Gannon's going to rally the troops in Arizona. Uh, I'm sorry. You've got Josh Dobbs playing right now, and eventually you're going to go back to a guy in Kyler Murray. It's clear the organization doesn't believe in him, new head coach or not. Jonathan, you know when you get a feel, and, and... I am not going to be able to present these advanced metrics. It's been two weeks of why the Jonathan Gannon thing in Arizona is not going to work. He makes weird sound effects when he's talking to his team. He has terrible motivational speeches about taxis and trains and buses and things like that. But you know when you just get a feel that this guy ain't it? I just, just looking at him when things were going poorly on Sunday and they were gacking up that lead of the Giants. It just He doesn't have it. And he, that, that team clearly doesn't really respond to him. And I just think through two weeks, and I think this is going to extrapolate out as the season goes on, Arizona's going to be picking first in the draft. Mm. That's, a, that's, not even, that's not a hot take, but I, I kind of liked how their defense looked through the first two weeks except I did for well. that second half against the Giants um, when the Giants were playing more desperately. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a little shocking to me. I, I, can I go for the low-hanging fruit? Yeah, are you going to pick the Bears? I mean, Caleb Williams going to Chicago to get ruined. To be honest with you, it's it's just it just makes the most sense. Not not only because the Bears suck, but the Panthers suck, and the Bears have the Panthers pick. So it's like you know you got two shots at it. Both of those teams, I can they see do maybe have two winning shots like two at it. That's a good games. point. That's it. But through the first two weeks of the season, yeah, both of them are on two. Okay, both of them have looked abysmal. So they would they would get. Regardless, yeah. the Panthers pick. They're getting the Panthers Whatever pick. Whatever the tiebreaker is in that spot. So if we were going to Vegas right now to pick or put money down on who's going to have the number one overall pick, the Bears are going to have at least two of the top five picks, and I would assume one of them is maybe going to be number one. I mean, specifically to the Bears, though, there's no redeemable qualities I see in, in that football team right now. Like They don't try. It doesn't – you got Chase Claypool literally, literally – Playing so bad, it seemed like he almost had to give a public apology ahead of week two. <laughs> yeah, they, apparently, he wasn't trying. according to reports in Chicago, the Bears front office had to threaten him that they would release him or trade him <laughs> if he didn't try. It was, it was a week scratch. one against the Packers. Yeah, I, 
that he that scored is, though. Okay, put some respect on his he, name. He did. He score. found the end zone. They, I don't know how anybody in that offense found the end zone, but damn it, he found it. I the, the Chicago Bears, from coaching staff down to the players, Justin Fields, who was getting all that MVP hype ahead of the season, and then you're looking at him and they're trying to make him throw from the pocket, and then he's running into sacks and he's throwing pick sixes from his own two. I just don't see any route in which the Bears get better this season. They've been trying to throw it short this year to get some rack yards, but everybody knows that's their game plan now, and they're kind of biting down on that. They went and got DJ Moore, but they don't know how to use him. He's in hell. I I just don't see a route out for the Bears to be good, and also everybody else in that division is good enough to beat them. Like They would have to have a, a terrible day. Like The Packers are decidedly better than the Bears. The Vikings might be the one team you can get if they punt on Kirk Cousins and punt on the season, but they're still so offensively explosive with Justin Jefferson and, and the uh, rookie Addison. Like I don't see the Bears winning any games in the division, and then out like who's who's losing to the Bears? Who's losing to the Bears this year? Like what has to happen for you to end Arizona. up on the wrong end of a <laughs> Arizona? He says, "Listen, right. if I had if I they was had the given- number one pick last year too, have they gotten better from last year?" No, no. And the Panthers sucked as well. If I was given a choice between Josh Dobbs, Justin Fields, and Bryce Young, I think Bryce Young's the last quarterback that I'm taking right now. I think the Panthers are the worst. But this is did so you tough see him? Did you see Bryce Young last <laughs> night have to be pushed because he was lined up uh, behind the right guard? He was. He's not ready. He's in the the wrong situation. No, I think they know he's not ready, and they're kind of understanding that they're punting on the season, and I hate to say that because obviously these teams try really hard, but they know that Bryce Young's not ready. They let him throw it 40 times last week. He's been... He's just clearly not. He's not seeing it. It's obvious even to the average Joe. Who's he not seeing? Uh, Adam Thielen? 48-year-old Adam Thielen? Is that who he's not seeing? He had like nine or ten targets last night. the, The Panthers... And this is another, like, another feather in the cap for me leaving my Panthers fandom. What the hell are they doing? What is the plan here? You go and get Bryce Young. You put him out there with a banged-up offensive line. You have no weapons on the outside. You didn't even get him a a really good tight end to be a safety valve for him. And then he went and got Miles Sanders off the scrap heap from the Eagles. I just don't understand what the direction (laughs) of that franchise is either. But, again, I do understand because I lived it for 15 years. They suck. They're idiots. And the Bears and Panthers are going to be top five picks. Hearing Theo go through the Panthers' big moves and roster construction – it literally just drove me to to uncontrollable laughter. That's probably not a good thing. He left out Hayden Hurst, Carolina too. Panthers. Hayden yeah, Hurst. Uh, how could you forget? DJ Chark. How could you? <laughs> oh, God. Jonathan Mingo, who had like two oh, touchdowns in college. Death. Uh, who is the best team in the NFL through two weeks? Who's the most surprising 2-0 team in the NFL through two weeks? And who's picking first overall after two weeks? Theo and I are in agreement. The 49ers are the best team. We're going to give the Bucs the most surprising 2-0. We do disagree picking first overall. I say the Cardinals because Jonathan Gannon, he just, he ain't it. Boop, boop, boop. That's my Jonathan Gannon impression. And Theo says the Bears, they're picking number one. And because the Panthers owe them the pick, they're going to have two shots at the number one pick. After week two in the NFL, who is the best team? Who is the most surprising? Who's picking first overall? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Again, 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063. We have a lot to do today, including taking your calls, including taking your social media. I apparently am now in a social media beef 
with Scott Hansen of the Red Zone Network for something that I thought uh, was innocuous when I said it yesterday on this show. But now he appears to be upset mm. and he's not happy. And so I, this is something I'm going to have to deal with now is the beloved Scott Hansen of the Red Zone Network being yeah. upset with me because I do think now it's a thing. Who is the best team in the NFL through two weeks, the most surprising 2-0 and through two weeks, and who's picking first overall? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Also, when we come back, did ESPN do the right thing last night with Nick Chubb? He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Commit to the fin. Damn it, they're good. Is that a thing? Are y'all saying that? Is no, that like I just a- made that up, and the Dolphins better damn well pay for it if they want to use it. Okay. I was just making sure. I know, like, committed to the G. Georgia was using that for a while. No, commit to the fin. Come to the sip. Commit to the fin. Whatever. There's a bunch out there. Commit to the sip. Is that Ole Miss? Come to the sip. It's just yeah, that's Ole Miss. Thing. Yeah, that was, and he didn't make it up. No, it was just something that he latched onto. Nice. Commit to the fin. Ken Levicka production. Oh, how about it? His brain's always working. Sure, now content. Can't really commit to an NFL team though. It's like, sure you can. I did. <laughs> I committed to the fin. Maybe you can. Yeah. Right. Exactly. See. Uh, after week two in the NFL, who's the best team? Who's the most surprising two and zero? And who's picking first overall? Mike says on social media at KLV1063, Miami's the best team. Atlanta, most surprising, 2-0 with Ritter and company. And the Bears are the number one pick. James, best team, Dolphins or 49ers, most surprising team, the Cowboys. You can make a case for most surprising team for sure with the Cowboys. They could be the best team and the most surprising, 2-0. Uh, and then picking first overall, the Houston Texans, dot, 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 again. I don't I mean, know about that. The Texans suck. What What do you mean They're again? Bad. They, they haven't picked first overall in like. Yeah, I, I, it's like Derek Carr or David Carr, maybe. I don't. know. When is the last time the Texans picked number one? It was David Carr? Let's check that. Stand by. Let's uh, double check that. Some Texans history here in uh, South Florida. Good times. Yeah. Uh, while Stone is doing that, and before we get to the phones, let me tell you about Baptist Health Orthopedic Care. If you're experiencing foot and ankle pain, need to see an expert in the field. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealthnet slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealthnet slash ortho for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealthnet slash ortho. Do we have a Houston Texans number one pick history clarification? 2014, Jadavian Clowney. Whoa. Oh, that's right. I was thinking Mario Williams. That was 2006, Mario Williams. I forgot you, Davion, was number one. 2002, I David forget, Carr. I forgot they took the cock <laughs> that year. <laughs> Where's he at um, Seattle? No, he's with the Browns, and he looks good. The Browns. Also, um, they play offense? <laughs> I didn't even see they him. They might be able to time. hand the ball off to him. I mean, he's a beast. Someone. Now, Jerome Ford looked good. He that did. backup came he in did. for Nick Chubb. He looked great. I hate to say this publicly, but I picked up Jerome Ford like an hour before kickoff in fantasy football just as a flyer. 
and it worked out. But prayers up for Nick Chubb. He's faster than this Nick is Chubb. why this is why fantasy football is evil. It's why I, never, I only play daily fantasy with prize picks because of people like Theo. You would have lost last disgusting. night if you drafted took Nick Chubb. You would have lost. Well, still, but I would felt better in my heart. <laughs> I just. I was looking at snap splits, and I was like, okay, if Nick Chubb happens to go down with an ankle or something, oh my. I'm thinking like a week. I'm not it's even... Theo's fault? I'm not rooting for injury. I love Nick Chubb, by the way. I want him to be the best he can like be. It. I just well, picked up Jerome Ford. That ship has sailed. Oh, uh, yeah. Chris in West Palm on Ken LeVick Alive. Chris, I know I put out a lot of options. Would you like me to just walk, at this, uh, walk you through this so that uh, you don't have to just yammer on? Why not? All right. Best team. Who is the best team through two weeks? Best team in two weeks. Uh, that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to say the, the Buccaneers. <laughs> okay. The Bucks. The Bucks. Now, Theo <laughs> laughed. I thought that was very, very rude. What are you Chris? laughing I gotta be at? Honest. They're 2-0, and oh, and uh, they are balling. They're 2-0. and oh. They can be in the discussion of best team, even if Theo, who was wishing ill will upon Nick Chubb, doesn't think so. Hey man, Todd Bowles led team. I mean, what can what can go wrong? Now, now, Chris, your most surprising two and O team would that also be the Buccaneers? Uh, I would say yeah, because you know Baker Mayfield wasn't looking looking hopeful, but these last two games he's thrown numbers and he hasn't played like he played in the Browns. So man, this is what Baker Mayfield does to people. They he he endears you to him, and then he starts getting mid again. But uh, for <laughs> now, enjoy the ride. Uh, picking first overall, who through two weeks you watch him play, you say, "My God, I'm going to vomit." This is awful. They are picking first overall next year in the draft. Who do you see being that through two weeks? The New York Jets. The New wow. York Jets. Wouldn't that be something? Wow. And what do they do in that spot? Chris, electrifying start on the phone. Hey, that would be amazing for the Jets. You go Marvin Harrison Jr. And no. you got him and Garrett and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Super no. Bowl. As someone who is committed to the Finns, that would suck. <laughs> you get Caleb Williams. You sit him for a year behind Aaron Rodgers. Why wouldn't you do that? I guess you could. You yeah, absolutely like, would do you that. You set up your franchise for the next 20 years, now, and you do a gap year with, with Here's with the thing, Williams. though. You're hoping that in that scenario that there's enough value for Zach Wilson to trade him, but you also want him to be bad. Yeah. So you can't have both, I don't think. I don't think he care. I mean— You just outright release him at this point? Yeah, if you have a chance <laughs> to get Caleb Williams in the draft— and have him learn behind Aaron Rodgers. I'm a more willing mentor at this point in Aaron uh, Rodgers' career. This hypothetical is making me thanks, Chris. Shannon making Sharp. me feel terrible. Shannon Sharp felt let's, some type let's, of way. Let's, let's hear Shannon Sharp yesterday, and and I want you to to sit down for this. I'm about to go to bat for Zach Wilson. I've done nothing but trash the man since he got into the league since draft night. Mm. I've done nothing since trash him as he stood on that stage uh, in Vegas. Vegas? I think it was Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Vegas. But this was Shannon Sharp yesterday. For once, not calling Stephen A. Smith skip. This is Shannon Sharp on first take. He's got jokes about Zach Wilson. You're not going to win with him. I mean, the dude couldn't play dead in the horror movie. I mean, how many times, how many scenes did you see? I mean, I've seen, I've seen all of the Friday 13s. I've seen all the, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy can't play dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I saw, I saw. I can't play dead in a horror movie. I, I, That's a beautiful line. Honestly, honestly I've, seen, I've seen them all. And at some point in time, you've got to come to the realization, he is what he is. There is a reason if you thought he could play, if you thought he could play just a tad, there's no way you would mortgage what you mortgage, mortgage and pay Aaron Rodgers what you paid him. Zach Wilson couldn't play dead in a horror movie. That's the line from Shannon Sharp. That's a good line. That's a great Zach one. Wilson. It's a really good line. 
country uncles have the best line. You just <laughs> hang out at like a family reunion or you just sit near one. If they're talking, you just pick up so much knowledge and so many gems. But <laughs> here is why Zach Wilson isn't even the worst quarterback in the AFC East. This is per Warren Sharp of the Ringer. Every single 20 or more air yard attempt from Mac Jones this year, 11 attempts, one completion. 11 attempts of 20 yards or more, and he has completed the football once. Among qualifying quarterbacks, 2.1 yards per attempt, dead last. 9% on completions, dead last. And he is dead last as well with a negative .60 EPA per attempt. He is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And Zach Wilson has appreciable numbers that are better than Mac Jones. So we can make fun of Zach Wilson all we want. It's about time we start showing the same energy for Mac Jones, who, by the way, going into the fourth quarter against the Dolphins on Sunday night, He had thrown only six passes longer than 15 yards, and he didn't have a single completion on him, okay? His first completion over 15 yards didn't happen until the opening two minutes of the fourth quarter. So it's time to start having the same energy for Mac Jones that we do for Zach Wilson. I I mean, no, no, no. You you get your wish on Sunday. They go to MetLife and play the Jets on Sunday. It's a 1 p.m. kick. You get your wish. I no. I'm going to predict this right now. Zach Wilson outplays Mac Jones. No. And the Jets win that game. The, the problem That's, is, I want to agree with you, but, and this is, I guess, a knock on Mac, but at the same time, not. But you got Devontae Adams, Juju Smith Schuster, Kendrick Bourne. Like, he's not throwing the football to anybody. Devontae and, Parker. And Zach Wilson, Devontae Parker, yeah. and Zach Wilson's throwing the ball to Garrett Wilson. And he's got he some has guys. the same caliber of no. receivers other than no. 2007 that Tom Brady did on a regular basis. Okay, that may be true. Okay, but but he's not Tom Brady. But, but okay, but over. but I think there are some people in New England and some people who cover the NFL. Yeah. You need to tell them that, that he ain't Tom Brady because <laughs> they're still acting like Mac Jones is something because he backed his way as a 17th alternate into the Pro Bowl in his first year, and he handed off his way into a playoff appearance before getting bombed. But So we need to tell that to people that Mac Jones ain't Tom Brady. Because I don't think, if you look at the numbers, look at the metrics, Mac Jones is Zach Wilson. All that matters is that Mac Jones knows he's not Tom Brady. All that matters is that Bill O'Brien, who's you know the new offensive coordinator with oh, the Patriots the now. Oh, the savior. Boy, oh boy, a, is he helped him turn the corner. He's a good offensive coordinator. He's better than, he what is? was it, Matt Patricia and... and Joe Judge? Well, that was just was boneheaded. It? Well, yeah. But that'll look like, where's the improvement? Where is the improvement? the improvement? What improvement have you seen in two weeks? Did, oh, yeah, moral victory, Patriots. They played really well against the Eagles. Did you not oh. see week one? So, but, but we're doing moral victory stuff With for the no Patriots. <laughs> we're doing more. Uh, again, we just ripped on that woman it's, yesterday at NBC Boston. Could you find that stone? Of course. Because she's like, oh, why can't you give the big fat guy the first down? He tried so hard because he's big and fat. <laughs> the Patriots used to be the, 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 uh, Firing model of success in the NFL, and now oh, they played they played pretty good against the Eagles, and oh, the fat guy had the ball. You should have given him a first down. This is pathetic. What a pathetic turn of events for that proud franchise. 
Here's 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 who Theo is emulating here. Oh, they played good. They played good against the Eagles. Go get a Mako. Here's here's NBC Boston to just explain away. Yes. Matt, we were we were sitting here talking about that play, that play, that final play, and we were just like, just give him the first down. Give him the first down. I, mean, I, I just didn't understand why you just give him the first down. That <laughs> yeah, play. just yeah, give Cole Strange the first down. I mean, the, the 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 whole discourse around the Patriots is pathetic. What is this? Do we are we obligated to to always give Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt here? What are we doing? Theo, you're starting a team tomorrow. Who are you drafting? Uh, Justin Fields or Mac Jones? I'll go Justin Fields. But what I will say is, because I think Justin Fields, outside of that Chicago Bears ether, maybe has a chance to grow and develop into something. He has certain tools. I mean, we saw him throw for like 50 touchdowns in a season. And we know a Mac Jones ceiling is. And we know Mac Jones. Yeah, he's there. But the, the he's difference. pressed up against it. The difference is, like, again, with the Zach Wilson-Mac Jones debate, Zach Wilson has this higher quote-unquote ceiling. But because of that, I feel like he gets in his own way too often trying to reach that ceiling too soon, whereas Mac Jones knows he's crap. He knows he's average. He knows his best day is... No, he doesn't. He's sitting there uh, no. acting like he is something in the facility after last season, uh, leaking stuff that uh, that that, uh, that he's, he's he's yelling at people, and he's... He, uh, this isn't right. This isn't good. Dude, you're Mac Jones. He's a leader. He's a whiner. He's a... He's a... <laughs> He's a good quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He's better than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is is an abysmal quarterback. He he like like Shannon Sharp was making his point. The reason why they went out and got Aaron Rodgers because they don't think they have a, a a chance. Did you see? Do you remember looking at Robert Sala's face when Aaron Rodgers went down and he knew he had to trot Zach Wilson out on the field? I've never seen a face look so dead. You talk about horror movies. Like Robert Sala could have been a leading star in a horror movie knowing what he had in front of him this season. Because they had Super Bowl aspirations. You can't say the same for the Patriots. You can't. You can't. But Mac Jones, especially if we talked about it earlier. We talked about it earlier. Pairing offensive coordinator or offensive system with quarterback, Mac Jones and the Patriots' current offensive system, I'm taking 10 days out of 10 against Zach Wilson and Nate Hackett every time. Uh, I, I think this is an honest-to-God question. Who's better? Mac Jones or Zach Wilson? Who is better, Mac Jones or Zach Wilson? And when we come back, we have a, a, a very important TV discussion to be had about the way ESPN handled Nick Chubb last night and his injury because I actually don't think that they did enough for the viewer to convey the horror injury that was suffered by Nick Chubb. I'll explain when we come back. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVick Alive on ESPN 106.3. I got to be honest, Mac Jones just does not pass the smell test at all. If you're having trouble smelling things, things aren't passing the smell test. You got to go see Dr. Neil Goldhaber. Constant congestion, that is not normal. That is not good. A lot of times it is structural role. That means it can be fixed. Dr. Neil Goldhaber, ENT extraordinaire, based out of Boynton Beach. He's been doing it for decades. Improving lifestyles, not just fixing people up, but improving lifestyles. Being constantly congested, that has uh, severe health implications. Snoring, same thing. Something's not normal there. Ringing ears, ear problems, throat concerns, constantly uh, swollen tonsils, raspy voice, things along those lines. 
You always feel like you have that nasal drip. These things can be fixed. It improves your lifestyle. It's not just, oh, it's a minor inconvenience. No, uh, people have Dr. Neil Goldhaber help them and they say, my God, my entire life, the outlook has improved. He does great things. Dr. Neil Goldhaber, goldhabersinus.com, goldhabersinus.com. Get your consultation today for the man who can help you in a variety of ways. Again, he is our ENT extraordinaire. We love the man. He's Dr. Neil Goldhaber, goldhabersinus.com, goldhabersinus.com. That's Dr. Neil Goldhaber. Boy, that uh, that second half leg injury for Nick mm. Chubb was as devastating as it comes. I, that's the type of thing, uh, just based on description of it, where leg is bent in unnatural direction. Uh, that it, it's not just, of course, he's done for the season, and he's done for the season. The exact diagnosis is not known yet, but he's done for the season. Um, but then you start thinking, like, is his career threatened? If you listen to some of the descriptions of uh, of those who saw the injury in real time last night. Now, the only way you've seen the injury is if you caught it in real time last night in the Brown Steelers game. Or if you've gone searching the interweb somewhere for a, a replay. ESPN did not show a replay of this injury. It was so gruesome last night to Pro Bowl running back Nick Chubb. Now... It was shown in the stadium, and the reason we know this is because, listen to this from ESPN, as Joe Buck is telling the American viewing public that they're not going to show Nick Chubb's injury, you can hear the exact moment that the fans in Heinz Field, or whatever they call it now, it's not Heinz Field, yeah, something like that, when they do see on the, the big board the Nick Chubb injury. I am told that the replay of Nick Chubb getting injured is not to be seen. Yeah, it's we're not going to show it. Uh, you can tell the exact moment. Let's just hear that one more time. The crowd with an audible gasp. I am told that the replay of Nick Chubb getting injured is not to be seen. Yeah, it's we're not going to show it. So, obviously... That's a responsible decision from ESPN not to show it. Here's my problem with that, though. Um, I think that TV networks who carry live sports, especially the NFL, they have a service to the viewer to convey the complete story. It's almost like journalism within live action. If I stumbled upon, or if, if, if ABC without warning me, or ESPN, or NBC, or CBS without warning me, showed me footage of some woman getting plowed down by a, an out-of-control automobile on the sidewalk, that's out of line. There's no reason for that. I don't want to see that. The American public shouldn't see that because she didn't sign up for that. She's randomly living her life out of happenstance. She gets hit by a car, gets killed in a gruesome scene. Out of respect for her, that should not be shown to anybody. Football and sports are different, and this goes back to Kevin Ware at Louisville with that uh, horrific leg break that he suffered in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. When you are playing a sport, okay, part of the sports experience 
Part of the story told is that of injury. It's unfortunate, but that's the case. Nick Chubb's injury, I think with proper heads up from Joe Buck, should be shown once or twice to the American public. Don't overdo it because ESPN overdid it with Tua last Ooh, year in the fencing position. We saw that over and over and over and over and over again. That was Amazon Prime, I thought. Was that ESP- It was a Thursday night? No? Was it a Thursday night or a Monday night? I can't remember. I think it was Prime Video. It was Prime. It was Prime. You're they, right. It was Prime. That overdid it, it was Prime. ESPN it was Prime. Yeah. Um, it, you're right. You're exactly right. Yeah. It was Amazon Prime. Because they were new to broadcasting and it was like, right. everybody was like, well. They just showed it over and over and over and yeah. over again. Um, but last night, because it's a leg break, they didn't show it because it's obviously graphic with the leg going in the different direction. But but here's here's my thing. Like it's fine. I am totally sensitive to the fact that some people don't want to see that. And it's not like I'm actively seeking these things out. Like I'm not someone that back in the day was ordering faces of death off of uh, off of the the. 3 a.m. on UPN uh, commercials, okay? I wasn't doing that. I'm not into that stuff. That said, we're going to hear a lot about, in the coming months, the Nick Chubb rehabilitation, that story being told. Part of that story, when it comes to sports, is the actual injury. For ESPN, if they were to show the injury to the public and give them a heads-up you can watch or not, that's not irresponsible. And it's not making you an evil human being for wanting to see the injury so you get a full appreciation for the punishment that these players put themselves through and the risk they take every time that ball is snapped in the NFL. The Nick Chubb injury in the aftermath is part of the story. ESPN last night should have shown it. They should have given you the option to watch it if you wanted to once or twice, not overdoing it, but to just hide it from the viewing public I didn't like that, and I thought that it did a disservice to the football viewer last night. I, I couldn't disagree more, um, mainly because the human element of this is that these athletes, um, you know, Nick Chubb, Kevin Ware, Gordon Hayward, any of these guys, Paul George, who suffered these gruesome injuries, like for many of them, and you, you, when you hear guys like Victor Oladipo talk about the rehabilitation process and how much of a mental grind it is and how injuries are, it literally seems like from their telling of it, are the lowest points of their life. Okay, and they're playing out their profession uh, in a public space with millions of people watching in front of 80,000 in attendance. Yeah, It sucks, and I get it, and it is a low point, but it's part of the gig. It's part of the gig. But do we have to do we are is it necessary for you to replay it on live TV? Anybody that wants to see the Nick Chubb injury and wants to feel a full appreciation for it, number one, they can go on Twitter and find it with one quick search. I had it popped up to me in three or four different group chats I'm in. As well as when you're telling that story of the rehabilitation process, that's a moment when you can say, Hey, viewers discretion advised, this is the injury, whatever, give whatever warning and show it and then tell that story of the triumph of him coming back. I don't think it's necessary in a live broadcast to replay it once or twice or three times afterwards just because, again, it's it's literally this guy's lowest point. Like the, the hours and hours and weeks and years that he put into it 
you know, but put where his do body we draw the line? What, what do we draw the line? Where what injury do we draw the line where it's okay to show the, the replay? Ones. Because it, it was really tough to watch Aaron Rodgers and the accordion calf after he tore his Achilles. Like at what point? At what point are we drawing the line? What injury is acceptable to show and what injury is not acceptable to show? When a guy's getting speared in the temple with a helmet, that's gruesome. His neck is snapping back. We're watching that. Two is in the fencing position. We're watching that. Tamar Hamlin laying motionless on the field. We have an overhead shot of him. At what point? Are we dictating what's too gruesome and what's not? I don't understand where you draw the line. All of this being done in this public platform is part of the story. It's part of um, what is being presented to the viewers. So, again, don't overdo it. You can do it in a tasteful manner. But I think Nick Chubb, the leg break, seeing that gives a better appreciation to me to the type of dangers these players put themselves in. And I don't want dictated to me what I'm not allowed or am allowed to watch by ESPN. I just don't know how big that 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 crowd is that you're a part of as far as I'm, I'm the sure ones, I'm the minority. I acknowledge that. Like like the, for for educational purposes, you talk about journalism, like I when they didn't show it, I didn't care. I didn't care to see it. I know what happened. He had the same injury in 2015. I've seen the injury on the field before. Like I just didn't really care to see it. It, it didn't really rub me one way or the other. Um am am I totally wrong here? Am I totally wrong here? Did ESPN do the right thing not showing the Nick Chubb injury on replay at all? Did ESPN do the right thing not showing Nick Chubb's leg injury at all last night? Because I think that ESPN sort of did a disservice to the viewers because they hid part of the story of last night's game from the viewing public on one of its most visible platforms Monday night. Did ESPN do the right thing not showing the Nick Chubb injury replay last night? 888-760-3776. I mean, Theo and Stone are are staunchly against me on this. They wanted no reason. And it's not like I, I, I want to see it like it ruined my night. But I think that it fully tells the story, and that's the whole point of carrying sports on live TV. And what we love about sports is it's all out there for everybody to see. If he's not, I mean, we got more views of DeMar Hamlin dead on the turf last year in Cincinnati than we did Nick Chubb's leg injury last night. I just don't know where we draw that line. Did ESPN do the right thing last night, not showing the Nick Chubb replay? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.